0: THE INCANDESCENT YEARS EPISODE 1 PARIS MAY 25TH 1895 Heinrich, my friend, I have finally decided to write to you. For four years, I have missed you. What do you expect? I became too used to sharing everything with you to deny myself any longer. These last few months, I have been looking at my life through disillusioned eyes. My job as a press correspondent in Paris gives me little satisfaction. Despite the 14 to 16 hours of work per day, the director of the newspaper always considers that I don't answer his requests fast enough. I know his motto by heart. Even if you don't have time to analyze the facts, at least send us the raw information. There is no light to be expected from my writing activity, which is proving to be very disappointing. My literary successes have been few and brief. I'm struggling to find a theater that will perform my plays. So, over the years, I have become a kind of literary man with small ambitions and insignificant vanities to you I can confess I have long fallen into the error of believing that the eyes of the world were upon me however I am not writing to you to lament further here I am 35 years old. At the dawn of a new life. And in front of the immensity of the task that awaits me. I have only you to confide in. With what I'm about to tell you, I'm going from life as a dream to life as a struggle. For some time now, I have been working on a project of infinite magnitude. I don't know if I will achieve it. It looks like a grandiose dream. But for days, even weeks, it fills even my unconscious. It comes everywhere with me, floating above my most banal conversations, looking over my shoulder to observe my derisory activity as a journalist. It disturbs me and intoxicates me. It is too early to tell what will come from this, but my experience tells me that this project is noteworthy. (sighs) I must interrupt this letter. Julie has been pestering me with her incessant calls for over an hour, coming into the office, circling my desk like an angry bee, complaining that I spend too much time working and not enough time with her and the children, slamming the door on the way out. She... ...exhausts me. Your lifelong friend, Theodore.
1: Paris. May 26th, 1895. My Theodore. I have taken the decision to leave Paris and return to Vienna with the children i am leaving today what's the point of staying in this foreign city when i'm only a ghost to you didn't we agree that i would join you in paris that we would each make an effort to save our marriage don't pretend that your work is all consuming at least have the decency to admit that it's only a pretext to avoid me when you are not out late at night You lock yourself up at home in your office to read, write, work, work, and work some more. When you are absent, I am ashamed to admit I sit at your desk, caressing your papers to feel close to you and breathing them in to detect your smell. I miss you, Theodore. For the past few weeks, it has become almost impossible to talk to you. As soon as you get home, you rush to your office to fill entire sheets of paper for hours. You seem to be possessed by something that absorbs you entirely. You ignore the presence of your own children. Yesterday, to get your attention, Hans entered your office, walked right up to the window opened it and started to climb over the railing, ready to jump. You didn't even look up from your notes. Only the alarming cries of the governess managed to distract you from your torpor and prevented Hans from committing the irreparable. I am terribly worried about you. I found a scribbled letter to Heinrich in your wastebasket. Heinrich, Theodore, Heinrich died four years ago. How can you write to a dead person? You should see a doctor. If not for yourself, do it for your children. Your wife who can't take any more, Julie.
0: May 27th, 1895 My dear Heinrich Yesterday Julie went back to Vienna Good riddance Her constant moaning The scenes she regularly puts me through Her constant threats All this wears me out She took my beloved children Who I already miss It is true that lately I have been less present for them. Julie is concerned about my mental health and advises me to consult a doctor. It seems as if the world is turned upside down. Apart from a few moments of serenity, she is totally hysterical. Did you know... That when pregnant with Hans, she threatened to commit suicide several times? Taking our daughter, Pauline, who was only one-year-old as a witness? When Hans was born, my decision was made. Divorce. I told Julie that she would have custody of Pauline, while I would have custody of Hans. Her pleas, the family pressure the tension and pain inflicted on the children. It was all too much and I couldn't take it. Since then we have been constantly navigating between deep rifts and fragile reconciliations. Then Trudel, our last daughter was born. I love Julie, but I can't live with her. Not to mention that she doesn't respect my parents, which for me is the main reason why our marriage failed. If at the time I had listened to the advice of my good mother, Mama, come, I wouldn't be here now because in fact I needed a soft, good, flexible woman. But. Julie is right about one thing. I am writing to a dead man. (sighs) She doesn't know that I keep your last letter in my jacket pocket, close to my heart. My dear Theodore, with my nerves it is unfortunately very sad. I don't want to talk at all. I don't know when I'll escape from this. Alone in the evening, I sometimes run in the streets and I would like to push the walls away. To get out. To get out. To leave. But it doesn't work. Then there was this telegram My dear Theodore. Heinrich is dead. He shot himself in the head today. Heinrich, my friend, why did I have to lose you after having already lost my sister Pauline? You two were my only true confidants. So here I am without her and without you without a real friend The only people I was able to talk to about myself are are no longer there Sometimes you you need to open your heart to speak without being an old shrew writing and this need also provides a virtue. We learn to be silent. I am in great need of a good friendship. I almost feel like putting an ad in the, in the paper. Man in the prime of life seeks friend to whom he can confide all his weaknesses and foolishness. Am I too shy or suspicious? Or is my gaze too acerbic? I can't find anyone amongst my acquaintances here. Only my dear parents support me against all odds. I wrote to them just yesterday. Everything I do is for you. Everything I am is thanks to you. Just as I owe you an infinite debt of gratitude for everything, so too the esteem I can earn in people's eyes is yours. I hate any pleasure that you do not share fully with me. What don't you already know about all this? What I want to share with you is what I am doing today. I should rather say what obsesses me two events, several months and hundreds of kilometers apart, have both stunned and electrified me. In Paris, on January 2nd, I attended the degradation of Captain Dreyfus, staff officer convicted of high treason on behalf of Germany. The crowd at this sinister ceremony shouted not only death to the traitor, but also death to the Jews. But that's not all. The anti-Semitic press is on the rampage and is galvanizing the rabble that seemed to be just waiting for a spark to pour out its hatred. Then a few days ago in Vienna, R. Vienna, Karl Luger was elected mayor of the city on a violently anti-Semitic platform. The Jewish bourgeoisie of Vienna was shocked. The emperor of Austria refuses to validate his election. For how long? Here, too, the rabble is spewing out its anti-Semitism, which seems to have been repressed for far too long. You would have to be blind not to link these two events. Anti-Semitism is everywhere. The mistake of the liberals has been to believe that men can be made equal by a decree published in the Bulletin of Acts, Orders, and Decrees. That it was enough to grant Jews the status of citizen to make anti-Semitism disappear with a wave of a magic wand through assimilation. What a big mistake! And I do not even mention the Jewish masses of Russia living in a state of slavery at the mercy of pogroms, skillfully orchestrated by the Tsar's government to divert popular discontent. Men, women, and children are left defenseless in the face of barbarian hordes thirsty for Jewish blood. Everywhere, hatred and death. The Jewish people are the chosen people by universal hatred. I cannot resign myself to this fate. A solution must be found to the Jewish question. It has become an obsession for me. My mind is in constant ebullition. What are the experiences of a press correspondent compared to what I am working on at the moment and to all that I will have to go through? Dreams, reflection, exchange of correspondence, meetings, action, disappointment if nothing is done, and terrible fights if the idea is achieved. I must interrupt this letter. I have to send a last report to the journal in Vienna by cable before midnight. I will outline my plan to you in my next letter. My idea is nothing short of revolutionary. Soon I will be toasted and prayed for in synagogues, but also in churches. Your lifelong friend, Theodore.